everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass. You're listening to It's All About Food. Thank you so much for joining me today. One of the things I really love to do in the 21st century is take advantage of technology and be able to visit with people, like-minded people, wonderful activists and people working towards making this planet a better place all over the world. So today we're doing just that. I have with me Kate Galley, who's down under in Australia. Let me tell you a little bit about Kate. Kate is relentlessly focused on creating a healthy, happy, compassionate vegan world. She specializes in creating the mindset that makes your best eating and exercising choices simple and sustainable. Kate first got into fitness as a way to transform her body and confidence. She has spent 17 years helping thousands of individuals sculpt a body and life they love, and over the past seven years has focused on vegan health coaching as one of the most powerful ways to advocate for the animals is to be fit and strong and healthy. Welcome, Kate. Hey, Karen, it's my pleasure to be here. And while go the powers of modern technology across the other side of the world, it is fabulous. It is. And you know, when I started this podcast in 2009, we didn't have Zoom. We did have Skype. It didn't work as well. It's so much better now. And I'm grateful for that. You have longevity. Congrats on this huge amount of time you were in way early. Thank you. Well, you know, sometimes I think there's only so much I can talk about <laughs> when it comes to being vegan and promoting a whole food plant diet of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, raw nuts and seeds and blah, blah, blah. But so many people still don't know what needs to be known about our food choices, the food system, so many things going wrong with the planet today that are connected to our food. So I'm just going to keep going on here. Broken that record. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> okay, Kate, tell me, who are you? And how did you get started on your journey? That's the most obvious question I can come up with. Of course, I'm a vegan health coach, podcaster right. and author based in Sydney, Australia. And I guess my the thing I'm most passionate about is helping people create the mindset that makes their, their most effective eating and exercising actions simple and sustainable. I got into fitness um, a couple of decades ago now as a means by which to transform not only my body, not only my body, but also my confidence. I was a debilitatingly shy young girl. And so that's how I got into fitness. How I, how I got into the plant-based lifestyle was first as a vegetarian. I was an ethical vegetarian. That's an oxymoron I know now. However, I did that at 16. And, you know, prior to that, I'd been that animal loving child who also loved to eat animals. And then 16, it was probably a number of things, but certainly it was a conversation with a girl at school. And, and certainly it was a really horrific last meal of smoked trout and fish roast soup, which was just so rich and disgusting. And I kind of vowed that I wanted to be in control of what went into my mouth and I wanted it to be aligned with my values. 
And so that was the Vedro story at 16. Sadly, it would take another 23 years before I made that vegan step. And I have so much admiration for you, Karen. You did that so much earlier than when there was a lot of um, information out there. But the information that got to me eventually was Cowspiracy. That was the document. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that changed it all for me. I realized I'd been lied to and that we've all been lied to, basically. All those movies that Kip Anderson and Keegan Kuhn have put out have been phenomenal, and I recommend them all. What the hell, Cowspiracy, Seaspiracy, and there are more coming out all the time. They're all great. For sure. It took me a long time, too. I started on the journey at 15 when I realized I didn't want to eat animals. I realized they were whose, not its. But it took me another 15 years before I became full vegan. Mm, okay. Yeah, it was a journey. But still, 1988 was when I became vegan 35 years ago. And there still wasn't a lot happening then. And Amazing. I, Most yeah. impressive. But, you know, I'm grateful for everything that's going on today. But I think starting in 1988, when there weren't a lot of products, you could get soy milk. You could get some simple products. You could get tofu. You could get tempeh. But there weren't a lot of cookies and ice cream and junk food and processed food and processed burgers. And in some ways, I think that was better because I made a choice to not want to eat animals. And I I sourced my food from real food. And now in our capitalistic world, companies have come to realize that we can have our cake, our cookies and everything and be vegan and eat them too. And that hasn't necessarily been a good thing for our health and for our bodies. I agree. Um, absolutely. Back then, it would have been a whole lot easier, almost a necessity to be that whole food plant-based vegan, which is the lifestyle I know we both advocate for. Um, I welcome all of the junk food vegan options purely because for the majority of people, that's going to help get them on board. And especially if they're transitional type of the foods until they, you know, get handy at cooking all the delicious whole food options. I still include them a couple of times a week. However, you're right. I absolutely wouldn't advocate for that delicious junk food, vegan stuff all the time. Absolutely. I'm grateful for all this stuff and I indulge from time to time. It's just fun to be there. And if we're going to have all this crappy food out there, if we're going to have really highly processed foods that might be fun or indulgent, shouldn't they be cruelty-free? I mean, come on. Of course. Of right? course. And we Agreed. can do that. Yeah. And and nobody's going to know the difference. That's mm -hmm. the thing. You can't tell when it comes to things that are full of sugar and oil and fat and salt. You can't tell. So there we have that. Okay. So let's talk about the strong body green planet and what you're all about. 
All right. So I guess if we if we go back just a little bit before I became okay. vegan, when I was that, um, I was a personal trainer. I had been for a decade or so. I was still vegetarian and I advocated for quite a high protein, low carbohydrate approach to, to fitness Wow. and to creating a, a body and life you love. And, you know, it kind of it worked on the outside. Aesthetically, I was um, really happy with where I was at, how my body was looking and functioning. However, back then, I personally ate 20 plus egg whites a day. I'm horrified by that, all that unnecessary death. And I was scared of carbohydrates. I was scared of soy. I'd just gotten away from being scared of fats, like all this fear that we perpetuate within the fitness industry and that I'm sorry to say I was a part of perpetuating that fear. Where I am now with um, strongbodygreenplanet.com and the podcast and everything else that I do, it's about, well, the podcast is healthification. And to me, that means healthifying not just our own body, but caring about the health of the planet obviously the animals obviously all the other human individuals we share this planet with so it's a lot more holistic approach and it's about the greater good of everyone not just that i'll say it vain superficial um aesthetic aesthetic focused you know goal that i used to have as a personal trainer and that so many of us used to have when we were younger so yeah it's just a much more, I guess, love and compassion led approach now. Well, we need more of you and your experience, <laughs> the, what you're bringing to the fitness world is so important because the majority of trainers don't know anything about nutrition and they pretend that they do and they promote things that are actually quite dangerous. A ketogenic diet, a high protein, high fat, low carb diet, you may end up looking good in the short term. And I don't even know if you were feeling good all the time because some people don't, but you're mortgaging your health for the long term. And as you mentioned, the environment, the environment is also impacted. It's so true. As I think the amazing Dr. Gregor says, you know, you, you may get to your casket skinny, right? You, you die skinny with some of those um, high animal product, high fat, low carb approaches. And I guess to the fitness professionals, you're very right. I was in a very bro gym with um, individuals that followed the science. That's the scary thing. You can find science to support whatever you want to believe, to help you continue whatever your bad or enjoyable habits are. And one trainer in particular, when I announced that, you know, I was going vegan, that already thought I was a little bit out there for being that vegetarian trainer. And when I announced, yep, I'm going vegan now, he said, well, goodbye, lean muscle mass. And thankfully he was wrong, but he spends a lot of time doing research and getting his information. And that's one of the scary things, whatever you want to believe, you can find the information to support it, sadly. Now, has he seen you since then? He has, like he actually was kind enough to do my, um, this is daunting, but those horrific skin fold tests to see what your body fat percentage is. And he kind of offered to do it before I went vegan. I think mm. he was curious to see what the result would be. And even at that point in time, you know, he did the test and he said, arguably could be too lean, which was like, 
so not gracious of him. I was already pretty lean and he's seen me since and has come back again, not very gracious. Well, I think it's probably easier for ladies. As in, it's okay for us to be lean with not huge amounts of muscle, just the amount of muscle that we want. However, as you and I know, Karen, there are so many amazing vegan bodybuilders and athletes, male and female, all over the world. And that's something I strongly recommend to all our listeners. If, if you're looking to make this change in lifestyle or a change in fitness, whatever it may be, seek out those healthy mentors and look at what they do and what they eat and how they live and what their attitude is because i did that and it was such a help to see that these people already existed have you seen the game changers of course i love course. the game changers yeah well that's a film that your fellow trainer should watch do you know they Here's the thing. I think they come from fear because they have found what works for them and what has worked for their clients. And I relate, as I said, I advocated low carb, high veg high protein vegetarian. It worked for me. The thought of having to go high carb, zero animal protein, that was a little bit daunting for me too. However, ethically, I knew I had no option. It didn't matter what my vanity was. It didn't matter if my results shifted, even though they didn't. It was an ethical decision. If it's not ethical yet, if a trainer's just being curious or they're just caring about their own health, I actually don't think that's enough for them to overcome the fear that they might have about the changes that they need to make. I, I think that's the issue with a lot of, I'll just say a lot of my colleagues. <laughs> Fear. That's really interesting yeah. that you bring that up. You know, we live in a very polarized world mm -hmm. here in the United States, and we see it more and more all over the world politically, where people are becoming more and more on one side or the other, and we're not in the middle. And I see that too with, with fitness and mm -hmm. being an animal eater or being a vegan and the polarization that's there. I was in a chain supermarket we have, maybe you know about Trader Joe's, yeah. <laughs> but they had a product out. It was like an egg white, pre-made egg white wrap. Okay. And there was a person there who was looking at it and going, oh, egg white wrap, that looks really awesome. And I was going to the same area to get my tofu and tempeh. And I said, oh, I don't think you really want that. Eggs are not good for you and so bad for the environment and the hens are treated so poorly. And he just lost it and said, his trainer <laughs> told him that this is what to eat. And then I was recommending soy foods and he was like, oh my God, soy foods are so bad for you. And, and he just was blowing up. His stress level was so high, his anger, his fear as you mentioned. And it, I just let him go and wished him well. You're, you're so right. Universe. And yeah. Kudos to you for even having the courage to say something uh, because the level of, of hate and fear and anger that you can be met with when I guess when you don't meet someone where they're at, right? That is the lesson that I'm learning. I used to jump in all the time with my brutal vegan truth bombs because I knew I would have loved to have heard that as a 16 year old when I became vegetarian, if someone had given me the vegan truth, 
I would have become vegan right then. However, perhaps we're not the norm. I think most people, sadly, need a more gentle, gentle approach. And that breaks my heart. However, I think something that I talk about more nowadays and something I'm trying very hard to get better at is I guess how I stopped being an angry vegan and how I'm just trying to lead more with love and compassion because not only is it more effective it's kind of a much easier way to live it's so being angry all the time and disappointed in people all the time it's absolutely exhausting that's a very good topic, and we might delve into that a little bit more in a bit. I tend to be a bit of an activist, although I'm in public with strangers, but I, I've learned over the decades <laughs> that it's better for someone to ask first before I jump in, and that particular person was a rare moment. Usually people, even at Trader Joe's, I'll be grabbing for something. The most recently, I grabbed a package of tempeh, and somebody said, oh, you eat that, how do you prepare it? And I was really in a bit of a rush, but I could not blow them off. <laughs> and I was basically like, oh, it's so easy. You cut it up, you can saute it, you can marinate it. It's really wonderful. Have a nice day. Uh, <laughs> it's but hilarious. Right. All, my, all my group trainers know if they need a little bit of a break in the gym, just ask Kate about vegan food. And I literally, same as you, I cannot resist. I am off. You know, so that's the way for them to store me if, if the workout's a little bit too hard. Yeah, it's a strange planet we live on, isn't it? It is. Agreed. <laughs> but this idea, now let's linger on this a bit about the angry vegan, because there are so many angry vegans. And why not? This mm -hmm, is true. a very cruel planet. And when you realize what's happening, when the veil is lifted, like I like to say, Humans are murderers. Yep. We're all murdering all the other species that we could be living so peacefully with and learning so much from. How could you not be angry? But it doesn't work being angry. And what have you found works in terms of reaching out to people and like someone did to you to get that message across? I will say I am naturally, I naturally gravitate towards the extreme, passionate, angry vegan. And I have so much love and respect for all those extreme animal rights activists out there. I, I say extreme with, with love, the militant vegans. I love and respect you. Personally, I found it too exhausting living in a non-vegan world, having non-vegan friendly fam family and friends, having non-vegan clients and colleagues, the amount of times in a day where you have to bite your tongue and then you explode, you know, you bite, 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 and then you explode and there's anger and sadness and frustration. And what works for me is I had to admit what it was costing me. And so I even have a little ABC really um, for our listeners to use. And and that A is for awareness. And it's really think of if, if you relate to being a little bit on the more angry side so far as your vegan lifestyle, have a really strong awareness of what it's costing you right now, what it's costing you in your relationships with, with loved ones and your quality of life and maybe travel for six months, 12 months, 24 months and think, 
if nothing changes, if this is the way that I feel in every single interaction, if this is the amount of energy I spend every day and every week feeling angry, what's my life going to look like? I would say next B is for brainstorm. Brainstorm the things that you can stop doing and the things that you can start doing. So I'm sad to say, guilty to say, I stopped going to weekly activism where I was holding up the little video screens and of animals and slaughterhouses. And it, as much energy as I got from the other vegan activists there who I loved, the combative nature of some of the people on the street was really exhausting. So I stopped that. I filtered out my social media feeds to stop some of those videos coming up. I stopped sharing those videos. I stopped having those conversations that we all know when we're getting into them, where it's not low hanging fruit. It's a conversation with someone who just wants a debate for fun. They don't care. They're not open-minded or open-hearted and you're going to take it so much more seriously. It's going to hurt your heart. I stopped those conversations and I started doing things like filling my social feeds with all those, um, the farm sanctuaries and the feel good stories and the really positive activists and all the delicious food. I started sharing my delicious food. I started focusing on what I have in common with the people I love who aren't yet vegan rather than I used to, I used to count the number of dead animals on their plate. You know, I used to just focus on what we didn't have in common. And the last one in that little ABC is a commitment. So this is a commitment to make this change, to be a little bit less angry. And you can bet Karen, if you announce your commitment to be less of a, an angry vegan, to your loved ones and colleagues and friends and you slip up a little bit and you show that anger and sadness and frustration they're going to remind you they're going to call you on it so that's there's some of the steps that i've taken awareness brainstorm commitment mm -hmm. i was trying to think of opposites like not anger mm, awareness love. not anger brainstorm not something with a b I haven't come up uh, with that yet, you know? Okay, okay, right. I'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brainstorm not blind to how it's impacting you, I guess, you know? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's good. And let's see, one more. Commitment, not... <laughs> Not can't make a change. I don't know. <laughs> we can yeah. do better in, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it. This is an audio podcast. I'm hoping that people can hear the joy, the positiveness in our voices, but I'm looking at you, Kate, and I'm seeing you smile all the time. And I think that's really important. I think the things that help people make change is to see others who are happy and healthy in their own skin, because so many people are anxious and depressed. This is a very difficult planet to live on. And when we make certain choices, like choosing not to exploit other living beings and this planet, it lifts a certain load off of us and makes life better. 
100%. I could not agree more. And even if you were ignorant to the pain and suffering you were needlessly causing, like I was for, for 23 years as a bed show, there was a pressure that I felt lifted that I didn't know was there when I made that, that step to more integrity and more congruency in my life and cut all the animal products out. It was, as you say, it was like something lifted, a lightness um, and an open-heartedness even and I see this with other people who are I guess they're they're less far along the journey however maybe they're just open to trying this plant-based thing for their health they haven't made the ethical connection yet which to be frank I think is the most powerful connection is to make the ethical connection when you really do that you can't go back but once people start to take the animals off their plate a strange beautiful thing happens and their heart opens more to the plight of the animals and they can start to maybe look at those horrific videos and and understand more and connect with the animals in a way that I think their heart and mind were blocking while they were still eating them several times a day. I haven't seen any studies yet and I think if studies were done on the impact of the chemicals we consume that are in the animals, mm. we might find a scientific reason for feeling more open-hearted and lighter and happier because we're consuming chemicals that animals feel. And I come from a chemical background. I have degrees in chemical engineering. There are good chemicals and there are bad chemicals and we're all chemicals. And when we consume chemicals, that come from animals' emotions, from fear and pain and confusion and depression. We feel those things. I haven't seen the science, but it makes a lot of sense to me. It makes so much sense. If we consume fear and death and panic, that there's no way that that can be a good thing for us and our happiness. Can we talk about fitness now? Oh, I'd love to talk about fitness. Because <laughs> that's your thing. How have you found, if you found it at all, that this diet that you're eating has helped with fitness with yourself and perhaps with some of the people that you coach? I was in a pretty good place so far as my fitness um, when I was vegetarian. So the fear was that I would go downhill, that I'd gain fat, that I'd lose muscle, that I'd lose strength. To be honest, nothing really changed. I got a tiny bit stronger. I didn't put on any fat. I didn't um, lose any muscle. It was basically all good. For me personally, the changes were all, um, I guess, in my mindset and the congruency um, that I felt. That was just, that was the main thing from in the gym. No differences for me, really, um, short-term, immediately. However, long-term, I feel from a health point of view, the way that I'm eating now is so much more balanced. As I shared early days as a trainer the first decade, I was fearful of so many foods and my diet really wasn't that balanced. It was all about just the carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. I never thought about all the vital micronutrients that we need to be consuming. And so now as many vegans will share, the diversity and abundance and variety and deliciousness in the way that I eat is just 
a billion times better than than what it was previously. So far as my clients, most of my clients have been with me almost the entire time I've been a, a trainer. I've had clients, some of them for 18 years, some 16, wow. um, most well over a decade, which A, is amazing. I'm so grateful. They're very loyal. That's amazing. B, they came to me when I was the vegetarian trainer that didn't really push the lifestyle. And when I transitioned to vegan, that was even a step further for them. It almost made my food a little bit less relatable. I feel that they've kind of, they've watched with apprehension and then surprise as I've only gone from strength to strength in the gym myself personally. A lot of them have taken on a more plant-based lifestyle and I'm really proud of that. And I think some of the most successful people that I train who happen to be super successful within Australia, like chairmen of companies and board members and perhaps the most influence I will have for creating a vegan world isn't with my 830 plus podcast episodes where I interview the people I most respect. It might actually be with these hugely successful businessmen and women who are not vegan yet, but are a lot more plant-based in their approach to um, the way that they eat. And that might be the biggest impact I have, which I don't know whether that's sad or happy, but I'll, I'll take it. And so far as their results from a body composition point of view, I've had clients see surprise, like beautiful, fantastic fat loss, but more so the congestion that they used to have um, mm. because so many people, well, we're not baby cows. We're obviously not meant to eat dairy. Um, energy, better sleep. Um, but again, none of them are perfectly vegan. You must be familiar with Philip Wallen. Yeah, I haven't interviewed him yet, but he's amazing. Yeah. He came to New York and I was able to meet him in person in the studio, which was amazing. I got to give him a hug. <laughs> but when it's, you mentioned- that's beautiful. When you mention working with people who run big companies, he came from that background and Indeed. it's really an important group of people to connect with because they have so much influence. You're so right. And I have learned so much in my approach with these individuals. I've worked with them for a long period of time. They obviously respect me and I have a huge amount of respect for them. If I come in hard as that angry vegan animal rights activist, you know, I remember I've talked about how dairy mums are raped and the visceral kind of like look on a particular client's face when I said that it was just instant feedback that that is not the light, the right, most effective language to use with these individuals. And again, it's, it's kind of learning to meet them where they're at and where they're at for the vast majority of them. I'd say all of them is they care about their health and their longevity and the health of their family. And they're not yet open. I really can't leave with the plight of the animals hardly anyone sadly is receptive to that yet now i'm curious i have never worked with a trainer and i like working out i'm pretty disciplined but when somebody stays with you for so long is it motivation to keep them going 
Are they learning new things? What's happening over decades? From my point of view, it's all about the relationships. I only work with people that I like and respect, and it's a true privilege to spend time with them. From their point of view, they are super busy people, and it's actually a treat to have one aspect of their life where they come in and they don't think. I think they really like to be told what to do, what is the most effective use of their time in this short focused period. Um, I always, before I became a trainer, I decided what type of trainer I wanted to be. And I said I'd be the most focused, positive trainer in the gym. And that's something I endeavor to do. And I think that that focus and that effectiveness of how to use their time, because these individuals really value their time. And then also for them, I'm sure the relationship counts, the fact that I remember everything about their lives. I know who their family is. I care. I can have um, good conversations with them. And obviously, as much as I can, I will maneuver in those little plant-based seeds to the conversations. However, just not too abruptly, as I have learned. That's very nice. Can you see them improving or maybe over time they're falling back a bit? And do you do a similar routine? I'm sure you adjust where they're at at any moment in time. How does that work? You have to progress the routine, but also you have to recognize where your client is at now. And if a lot of my clients started with me in their like late 40s and early 50s, they're now in their 60s and even 70s. And it's not, you know, I, I'm 46. I don't do the workout that I used to do in my 20s. I do all the same sorts of moves, but there are definitely changes. And one of the things that you've really noticed is as people get older, you can't just be straight into it. We all have to focus on the foam rolling and the stretching and the warm-ups and the rehabilitative type of movements and not just those big crazy compound movements that are most effective and and we all love them I love a good deadlift and squat and chin up but you do have to adjust it you do need to notice what they're up for on the day when they turn up you know some of my clients they need to be led through a safe set session on a particular day however Perhaps the conversation and the empathy you have for what they're dealing with right now is almost as important. Certainly, you need to recognize the days when they walk into the gym and they're just not up for an absolute intense, hardcore type of a session. Well, I've been noticing recently some different kinds of aches and pains and I visited a physical therapist who gave me exercises to help in those areas, and they're definitely helping. And I have a feeling I may be doing these exercises forever in order <laughs> to keep certain things from not happening, you know, a little knee pain, a little shoulder pain. And she was telling me that it could be osteoarthritis that could be with me forever. And I refuse to accept that. I am going to work to build around those areas to take care of those issues. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. But exercise at all ages is important. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about what we need to do as we age I want to say first on that point, that is such an amazing point there. As we age, there are exercises that 
we we have to become less reactive there are things that you will need to do every day for the rest of your life and and so will i it's not just all the fun stuff and then reacting to a bit of pain or a, or tightness when it comes there are things that we can do for our body every single day to help it function as well as it possibly can and my mindset is that you and your body are a team you know, we're working together. It's not about beating your body in the gym or depriving your body of food. It's about giving your body the best quality fuel and movement that it needs. So far as exercise, I would say consistency is key. I know that's really non-sexy, but the people that get the best results, they're really flexible. When they miss a day, they make that day up as quickly as they can. It's not like, oh, I missed today, I'll, I'll do it again next week every workout counts every workout makes the next workout more likely to happen um, so that's probably my my number one tip you know to make a non-negotiable appointment with your friendly trainer or with yourself put it in your diary and um and and don't give up on that consistency what else would i say what else works for my clients? I think accountability is is massive. Again, the people that get results, especially as we get older, when life's busy and the body's in a bit of pain and whatever it may be, don't make excuses. Accept accountability and responsibility and and stick to that training session, stick to that food prep, whatever it may be. Um, that is a huge, you know, finally, and this is one of the things I love about my job. Finally, what helps people succeed in business and life are often steps that are absolutely applicable to the gym. Whatever it is so far as your mindset and your actions and prioritizing things in your business or in your family, if you're amazing at that, that is those are absolutely skills and attitudes and I would say standards that you can model across into your approach with fitness and, and health. I've always been naturally flexible. I used to call myself a Gumby. And, <laughs> and of course, I need to warm up and stretch if I want to be extra flexible. But I used to naturally be able to do splits, especially with my leg foot forward, not with my right foot forward. And then I stopped doing them for some reason. And lo and behold, I couldn't do them. And I, I had joined this Facebook group, the flexible split, I don't know what it was. And I was getting these pictures in my feed and I was very annoyed that I wasn't splitting, able to do them like I used to. And so I was on a mission and I was, I just had success with a complete split with my left foot forward a couple of days ago. And I'm determined- Amazing. I'm determined to be able to do it with my right leg too. It's just consistency. Uh, and it just it's just fun. That's amazing. Uh, well done. That's fantastic. And I guess that brings to mind, it's all about priorities, right? We all have the same amount of time in our day and it's where we choose to put our focus. My clients that get the best results, you know, they they choose to prioritize their exercise and and that's what you did. You know, for me, I might've thought, oh, well, I used to be able to do that when, that when I was younger. It's not that important now. But you saw it as some sort of marker and some sort of goal and, and 
most importantly, you saw it as fun. And so you got there and that's amazing. And that's something I would advocate for our fitness as well. We need to, yes, there's, you know, there are the non-negotiables that I advocate everyone does and, and lifting heavy weights is one of those. You know, if there's an 80, 20, I would say the lifting weights is the, the 20% of your actions that gets you the 80% of the results. You know, it's the most important. But if that's 20% of someone's week, and I hope it is at least that so far as they exercise, I would also say if you don't love the weights, then fill that other 80% of your exercise with the stuff that you do love or you could love if you got better at it. You know, sometimes it's a bit embarrassing at first. And maybe think of the stuff that you used to have fun with as a child if you're you know a little bit stuck for ideas so fun and loving exercise um super important i'm just curious when we had the pandemic how did that impact your training and what did you do and have you learned from it since then yeah, I learned a lot. Um, first time round, we kind of had two years of COVID here in Australia. And the first year I was lucky enough to escape Sydney and in, in New South Wales, where I am just before the gyms closed and the borders closed and went up to Queensland, Noosa, where my parents lived at that time, which mm. was a much smaller community. And the lockdown wasn't as harsh. And I kind of my income went to zero overnight, but I built it up online overnight, just coaching my clients online and um, running an online course and, and all of that. And so far as home workouts, I had a lot of fun with it because I started up all these fab food finishes, I called them, and they were little body weight workouts that were acronyms of plant-based food. So there was the mm. kale finisher and the broccoli <laughs> finisher and the spud finisher. And I just, I did have a lot of fun with it of, of kind of seeing what you can do with just body weight and you can get a great workout as much as I love the gym. And so again, if it's important enough, which it was to me, you can be adaptable and you can make anything work. And, you know, I was very happy to come racing back to the gyms when they did open again. However, yeah, the lesson was you can, you can make it work. I think a lot's come out of the pandemic in terms of live streaming, mm -hmm. fitness videos. I'm also involved in theater and we've done a lot of things now online streaming because we can and we learned yeah. how. You're so right. It, I think it's easier and more joyful to be one-on-one -on -one in a gym. I really do love the one-on-one -on -one relationship. Um, Zoom for a podcast interview is amazing. Zoom for someone training from home in, in their house where the camera isn't set up properly and they don't have much equipment and hmm. you know that's an, a necessary evil maybe you know we made right. it work and huge kudos to all my clients who were up for making that work however um, you know best case scenario for me is is in a gym yeah we can see the teacher well we can see the trainer well but yeah. you can't see us yeah that's a good point yeah yeah you mentioned to me you have a plant positive journal. Can you tell us about that? I would love to. This is my little vegan Trojan horse. So <laughs> basically it's a it's a step-by-step -step guide to master both your time and your mind while adopting or living a healthy plant-based lifestyle. So it's like a daily planner and a journal and 
it's stunning. It's full of beautiful artwork and vegan recipes. And my intention so far as the Trojan horse is I want it to infiltrate the non-vegan majority. I want people to see this beautiful journal and go, that's an amazing way to plan my day and achieve my goals. And it's really pretty. And then bit by bit, they will hopefully read the monthly focuses. Each monthly there's each month there's a focus. So for example, month one is to define your goal and add massive emotional intensity to that goal. And then each week there is a smaller step in relation to that. And obviously they're all aligned with living a plant-based lifestyle. So that is the plant positive journal. It's available in, in hardback and also PDF download because um, this little venture of the heart isn't so little. It's quite big and international postage is quite hefty. And so it is getting posted all over the world, but it's also available as a download. Very nice. Okay. So if people are interested in that, what do they do? They go to strongbodygreenplanet.com? A hundred percent. Everything me is via strongbodygreenplanet.com and the plant positive journal is is there all over the place and it's also all over my my socials. It's good to get a look and, and just see how gorgeous it is and um and it's getting some beautiful feedback which um which I really value. I love to travel and I have yet to be I have yet to visit Australia. Oh, you've got to come. I it's, know it is it's it's beautiful and there's some really good vegan food in Sydney where I am, but I will say Melbourne's probably the vegan capital of Australia, sadly for us in Sydney, but it's still, it's good. So aside from going to happycow.net to figure out where to go, do you have some favorite places and why? Oh, and why? So we have um, Alibi down at Woolloomooloo Wharf, which is one of Matthew Kenny, the New York sure. restaurant. He's everywhere, like, Matthew Kenny. So I'm so glad he's come to Sydney, right? That is um, absolutely amazing. Um, we've got Newtown is probably the place to go. I'm in the east near Bondi, and probably the best restaurant around here is called Eden. And um, Simon from from the Proof podcast used to be Plant Proof and now just the Proof. Him and his partner run that one. Um, so it's pretty amazing and very um, Instagrammable. But the suburb to go to is probably Newtown. It's got Gigi's Pizza, which is just this insanely amazing pizza joint. And it's got so many other options as well. Lovely. Now, when you work out, are there things that you recommend for people to eat, maybe pre-workout, after-workout? What have you got? For sure. I would say you need to do what works for your best for your body to have a strong session. So personally, I could never train um, without having a little bit of food on board. I, my body needs fuel and I advocate that for most people. Um, so, you know, a little bit of plant protein and, and carbohydrates, not a full meal just before you train because otherwise your body's going to be spending too much energy metabolizing that meal and we need that energy to go towards your weights session. I really advocate weights. Um, so, but again, it's experimenting with what works for your body. You want to come into the gym strong and energized and, and ready to go. Um, I think 
plant-based protein powder makes it easy for after a session. I'm not as strict on that as I used to be with all of my clients, but particularly if you love as much lean muscle and as little fat as possible, which I personally do, or if you're a hard gainer so far as muscle or underweight, then definitely you want to have some sort of plant-based protein shake. And it doesn't have to be with powder. It could be with he heaps of hemp seeds and, and other plant protein. You definitely want to have that within a 30 to 45 minute window after training. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of protein powder. I know many people are, but I'm, I think there's plenty of good protein in plant foods. There 100% is. It just, I don't eat much sweet food, but for some reason, some of the salted caramel um, plant-based protein powders, they're just <laughs> delicious. And, you know, I'm in the gym at 6 a.m. or before many mornings. And so if, if you're rushing, it's just a really cheap and easy way to, to get some protein into you. Um, I, I would never have the amount that I used to have, um, but a minimal amount, you know, it's the same as vegan junk food. Well, it is vegan junk food. Um, <laughs> minimal amount isn't going to do you any harm. Right. And it, it may help some people. For sure. Okay. What else can you tell me before we go? Okay, Gally. One of my, one of my fallbacks that I say, whatever, I guess the, the best advice to myself, my most important lesson that I learned when I had the business from hell, which is a whole other podcast. It was a, it was a gym franchise and it was it was really the uh, one of the toughest times of my life. But what I learned out of that horrific business was the importance in backing yourself. So time's mm -hmm. uncertain. We've we've discussed that. We don't know what's coming up today, tomorrow, next month, or next year. We can't control the circumstances that happen to us. However, we can control the way we react and respond. And part of that is to back yourself 100% to have faith in your ability to deal with whatever comes your way. That's something that I learned the hard way and, and I'm very grateful for that learning. And I recommend that to our listeners. And if it seems a little bit struggle street, an actionable starting point would be to each day jot down definitely jot down three gratitudes, but also jot down three reference points for success. Three things you did really well today. I still do that. Mm. And it doesn't matter how small they are. And they're just a little bit of, I guess, building that ability to back yourself and to have certainty in you. That's really it. That's the, the key. And it it may sound corny to some, it may sound too easy, but there's science behind it. It works. It makes a difference. Yeah, it's it, effective. It is. I'm just curious before before I let you go, you mentioned that you had been really shy. Mm -hmm. How did you get over that? Well, it's funny. I remember I grew up in New Zealand. I moved to Sydney when I was 21. And I remember going on skiing trips with my father, not my mum, because she hated it and she'd stay home and she was a nurse and she worked. And anyway, and dad would play on our skiing trips on the drive up. It was a three hour drive and he would play Brian Tracy, How to Be More Confident cassettes to enforce this on me. And 
I really don't think it had an impact. However, down the track, when I had that business from hell, I did get very into self-development, personal development, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, all of that. And certainly that helped. However, I would probably say even more that it was the gym. It was the fact that I was this like skinny fat little teenager with um with a skinny upper body and and big butt and thighs and i wasn't happy with how my body looked and when i was about 18 i met a particular guy out who had a smoking hot body let's just say that and he was obsessed with the gym and i thought wow okay and i joined a gym and I learned bit by bit, you can choose your curves. As I say, you can choose to put a little bit more muscle on those on those scrawny areas and you can choose to lose a little bit of fat on those heavy areas if you want to, if that's what's going to make you happy. And it actually did. It made me happy. It made me more confident. And um, I'm super grateful. Well, that's a great lesson. We all need to take control of our lives. And if there are things that we don't like, we are the only ones who really can make a difference and make things better. It's true. Well, Kate Galley, thank you so much. It's just been a delight meeting you. I don't know if you've ever been to New York, but if you ever come, let me know. New York is about top of my list. I will definitely, definitely let you know. I would so love to come to America and particularly New York. But yeah, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the conversation and for all the plant-based goodness and, and wisdom and advice you're putting out into the world. Well, I love meet, I love meeting people like you. Just to know you're out there, we need we need an army, a peace army, too. a plant-positive peace army. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you yeah. so much, Karen. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Kate Galley, down under at thestrongbodygreenplanet.com. Once again, I think we discovered that... The best activism is activism that includes love. Love and not anger. You can hear it in her voice and just hear how easy it is to get the message with a gentle, easy tone that's just radiating love, acceptance, non-judgmental. It feels good and it helps us move to a better place and make positive change. And I'm glad that Kate Galley is on the planet, helping not only to assist people in moving to reducing animals in their diet and learning about exploitation, but also getting fit and having fun doing it. I was also curious to hear that she gained a lot of confidence and lost her shyness from exercise, from becoming fit and feeling more confident in her body. That's something we can all do. We have so much influence on this planet about how we are supposed to look and who we are supposed to be. But if we can be our best selves by feeding ourselves well internally and also taking care of our bodies, our temples with exercise, and if there's a particular area of your body that you're not happy with, and that's not your fault. That's the fault of this planet for judging who we are and what we should be like. Perhaps exercise can help you love your body more and love that part of your body more in any way that you can make that happen. 
You might want to check more out at strongbodygreenplanet.com. Perhaps you pick up the Plant Positive Journal that Kate Galley has created and get some more information, inspiration, motivation, whatever it is you feel like you need in this moment. And with all this talk of exercise, I can't wait to meet my mat in a little while and get working on those physical therapy exercises I talked about and stretching and working my splits and a whole bunch of other things that mm, my body needs. Did you get inspired? Did you get motivated? Are you ready to work out a little bit? And then right after that, I'm going to do some bowling. Do you know what that is? Bowling. We call it bowling when we eat bowls, fruit bowls, with acai, bananas, fresh berries, frozen berries, maybe some flax seeds. Mmm. Life is good. Thanks for listening to another It's All About Food podcast. I'm Karen Hartglass, your host. And you can find me at responsibleeatingandliving.com. Send your comments and questions to info at realmeals.org and have a delicious week.